welcome to the sermon podcast of Orchardville Baptist Church in beautiful Moultrie, Georgia. We're so glad that you've chosen to listen in with us today. It is our hope that you will be encouraged by the Word of God and find growth in your everyday life. For more information about our church or for more digital resources, be sure to check us out on the web at OrchardvilleBaptist.com. And now for today's sermon. Ladies, as always, thank you so much for your faithfulness to play and lead us in worship tonight. And uh, church, I'm going to ask you, if you will, to take your Bibles and turn with me to the book of Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy chapter 5. We have uh, started going through this book several months ago. I actually started on Wednesday night. We moved it to our Sunday night study. But we are in Deuteronomy chapter 5, verse 22. We uh, just got through uh, where Moses again, is giving his final, or one of his final addresses to the nation of Israel. Uh, He is about to die, and Joshua is going to take over, and the people are near the Jordan River. They're going to cross over that Jordan and take the promised land as God had promised, something that God wanted to do a generation earlier, but the earlier generation did not trust God and follow his plan for them. As a result, they wandered for 40 years in the wilderness, that generation has died off. Moses, as he's giving this last sermon or series of sermons, is challenging the people to learn from the mistakes of their fathers, to learn from those mistakes, not to repeat them. And in chapter 5, he has recalled the events surrounding the giving of the Ten Commandments, those commandments that are the foundation of the Jewish law, the Old Testament law, And as we have already covered, nine of those commandments are still in application or uh, we are under today. So as we come to verse 22, I'm going to ask you if you have your Bibles with you, if you're willing and able to stand with your Bibles open in honor and in reverence of God's holy word. Deuteronomy chapter 5 verse 22. These words the Lord spoke to you, spoke to all, I'm sorry. These words the Lord spoke to all your assembly in the mountain from the midst of the fire, the cloud, and the thick darkness with a loud voice. And he added no more. And he wrote them on two tablets of stone and gave them to me. So it was when you heard the voice from the midst of the darkness while the mountain was burning with fire that you came near to me all the heads of your tribes and your elders. And you said, Surely the Lord our God has shown us his glory and his greatness, and we have heard his voice from the midst of a fire. We have seen this day that God speaks with man, yet he still lives. Now, therefore, why should we die? For this great fire will consume us if we hear the voice of the Lord our God any more. Then we shall die. For who is there of all flesh... Who has heard the voice of the living God speaking from the midst of the fire as we have and lived? You go near and hear all that the Lord our God may say. And tell us all that the Lord our God says to you. And we will hear hear and do it. Then the Lord said, I'm sorry, then the Lord heard the voice of your words when you spoke to me. And the Lord said to me, I have heard the voice of the words 
of this people which they have spoken to you. They are right in all that they have spoken. Oh, that they had such a heart in them that they would fear me and always keep my commandments, that it might be well with them and with their children forever. Go and say to them, return to your tents. But as for you, stand here by me, and I will speak to you all the commandments, the statutes, and the judgments which you shall teach them, that they may observe them in the land which I am giving them to possess. Therefore, you shall be careful to do as the Lord your God has commanded you. You shall not turn to the right or to, I'm sorry, turn to the right hand or to the left. You shall walk in all the ways which the Lord your God has commanded you, that you may live and that you it may be well with you, and that it you that you may prolong your lives in the land which you shall possess. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, I come before you now, Lord, asking you to be with us, to guide us through this text. May your Holy Spirit teach us truth. I ask that, Lord, you preach this message that I would decrease and you increase. May you bind and gag any demonic spirit uh, that would want to cause a distraction or confusion here tonight. But, Lord, may we hear clearly what you are saying to us, your church. May we be found faithful in doing what you are calling us to do. I pray, Lord, tonight that if there is someone uh, either watching online or here tonight that is lost, Lord, tonight would you prick their heart, convict them, show them that they need you. And, Lord, I pray that tonight they would not leave this place until they get right with you, until they got saved. I pray, Lord, for every believer that we would listen to what you were telling us, how we are to live faithfully for you. I ask now, God, again, that you preach this message, that I would decrease and you increase. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. And you may be seated. Uh, I have uh, spent a while since I've seen the movie The Wizard of Oz, but... And the Wizard of Oz, uh, Dorothy's going on this trip. She's got three folks with her. They've got a lion who is looking uh, for courage. There is a scarecrow looking for a brain. But then there's a tin man who is looking for a heart. And I believe there's a line in that movie where he actually says, If I only had a heart. Well, in today's passage, God is saying, If my people only had a heart for me. Uh, we, we, we think about our relationship with God and God desires a relationship where our heart truly desires him, truly sees him as holy and who he is. And, and too many times, if we're not careful, even as followers of Christ, we can be very flippant with our relationship with the Lord. We can be very flippant in how we see God. Uh, we may respect him, but do we respect him and treat him with the holiness that he deserves? Um, it, it is amazing when we look at scripture, when people have an encounters with God and how they think they're about to die because of the holiness that they're in the presence of. And too many times we are, we are flippant. In this particular passage of scripture, we will see that when God spoke audibly to those people, there was a great fear that came on them. And God saw it. And at that time, they were ready to do everything God said. But you know what? God knows the future. He knows us. He knows what he's getting when he gets you and me. And he knew that they would not have that same fear for very long. Oh, but his desire 
is for that to be the type of heart they would have. If you'll notice here, uh, we see this scene taking place in verse uh, 22. In verse 22, remember, he is recalling the events from Mount Sinai when God gave them the Ten Commandments. And if you look at that verse, he says these words talking about what God has given as far as the Ten Commandments. Uh, the whole assembly of people, they are able to hear that coming from a mountain, Mount Sinai. And it's in the midst of the fire, the Bible says, the cloud and the thick darkness from a loud voice. And he added no more. As God spoke to them from that place, can you imagine how uh, powerful that sight must have been? I have no idea how big Mount Sinai is. But what I do know is that there was a fire there. There was a, a thick cloud and darkness there at the same time. What a tremendous sight that must have been. And again, I've never heard the audible voice of God, but it obviously is a very scary thing. It, it had to be a scary thing at that time for them. And here, there is this frightening uh, vision that we see here taking place. Now, as God speaks to them, the, the whole congregation here, giving them those commandments, notice what happens here in verse 28. God says something in verse 28 that, that I remember a few weeks ago when I was first kind of going through and preparing for this message. just really jumped off the pages at me. He says in verse 28, Then the Lord heard the voice of your words, <coughs> excuse me, which when you spoke to me, and the Lord said to me, I have heard the voice of the words of the people which they have spoken to you. Notice this. They are right in all that they have spoken. I tell you, they just, they just got my attention. And that what uh, all those things they said was right. Well, what have they said? Uh, they have spoken the truth in verses 24 through 27. I believe there's really five things that they say took place. First, they saw, they said they saw the glory and the greatness of God. And they did. They saw the glory and the greatness of God there on that mountain. They heard the voice of God. And not only did they hear the voice of God, they saw where God spoke to a man and he lived. And who was that man? Moses. Moses was able to have these conversations. And that's what's so fascinating to me. Later on, uh, well, not later on from Deuteronomy, but when you read in the book of Exodus, they knew that God spoke to Moses and he lived and they still wouldn't believe Moses. <laughs> Just floors me. Okay. But it was undeniable that the man talked to God. Okay. But anyway, that's another sermon. But they saw where he talked to Moses. And then we also see that they said, fourthly, that if God kept talking to them, they would not survive. They couldn't, they, they wouldn't be able to handle it. That, that, that is, can you imagine what the voice of God must have been like? The holiness, the presence they were in, uh, the realization that they were unworthy to be in his presence. And then fifthly, they said that Moses needed to talk to God. God, you tell Moses, and he can teach us, and we'll do whatever they, whatever he says. So we see where these things are said by the nation of Israel. God says, Moses, they are exactly right. But then we come to verse 29. And beginning in verse 29 through 33, we see God's desire. His desire is a heart devoted to him. Notice what verse 29 says. It says, oh, that they had such a heart in them. A heart, a, a, a desire in them that they would first fear me and secondly always keep my commandments. And then he says that it may be well for them and with their children forever. 
There's three things that God says in this text. He is praying, oh, if they just had this heart. I know right now they're, they're scared. Right now they, they're wanting to do the, the right thing. But oh, if it was really who they were. If that was who they were all during the week and for the rest of their, their generations. If they would just fear me and obey me, it would be well with them. We, look, we think about this word fear. Uh, in the Hebrew language, this word for fear, the root of this Hebrew word, it means to tremble, okay? And it can mean to tremble at something that is joyous, also something that is scary. And most of the time in the Old Testament, uh, we see this, it means to be afraid. In Deuteronomy chapter 3, verse 2, he told them not to be afraid of King Og as they were going to attack that particular king. He obviously had a, a powerful army. He and King Sion, uh, they both had powerful armies because multiple times they refer back to defeating those two kings. And he said, I don't want you to be scared of them. I don't want you to be scared where you're too timid to go and fight them. I don't want you to worry about them. I just want you to go. So it carries the idea of being afraid or, or timid or, 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 or cautious. But it also carries the idea of reverence or respect. We think about it in Leviticus 19.3 where we are so respectful for our parents. There should be that respect that, that comes to them. Also for leaders, uh, Joshua was to be feared. In Joshua 4, the same word is used there to have respect for him as a leader. The sanctuary of the Lord was to be feared as well or respected and revered in Leviticus 19.30. So we see this Hebrew word carries with it the idea of not only being scared, but also of respect and, and reverence. There's a term we see in the Bible called a, a God-fearer, someone who is a God-fearer, someone who, who fears God. And the term refers to someone who has a, a reverence. Uh, it, it causes a reaction to them when they think about God. And sometimes it's terror. Uh, that fear of God uh, is used both in the Old Testament and the New Testament to denote someone who truly believes and understands the, the, the judgment of God that is coming. And that fear of that causes them to act differently. Uh, you see, church, I'm of the opinion that when we study the Word of God, that when we see that word fear, it ought to carry all of these meanings. It, it ought to be, a, it ought to be a, a fear and there ought to be a respect that come together. Some people say you can't be both. I, I believe it can be. Now you've heard me use this illustration a hundred thousand times, but I'm going to use it again. Okay, um, I, I'm, I'm little Robert. There's a big Robert. Okay, and, and whenever Big Robert told me there were some things I was going to do and some things I wasn't going to do, when I was around him, I did did those things. And there was times when when maybe my heart wasn't in it to do right, but I didn't want Big Robert to find out because if Big Robert found out, guess what? There's going to be consequences. I love my daddy to death, and, and, and my daddy didn't beat me, but he whipped me. And never once did we have a conversation where I talked him out of it. Not once. I remember rehearsing conversations I was going to have with him. I remember talking to him, trying to use reverse psychology and other stuff. It never worked. Not one single time. It was like he said he was going to do that, and guess what? He did it. So sometimes I didn't mess up because I didn't want him to find out because it was going to be bad. So see, my heart respect wasn't like it needed to be, but... The fear of the consequences kept me in line. And you know what? Our heart ought to respect. We ought to respect our parents. We ought to see them as wise and what they say is correct and do it because we respect them. But sometimes we don't. But even then, we ought to have that fear of the consequences. We ought to do that. When it comes to God, we ought to know that God knows more than anyone. 
He loves us more than anyone else. And he says, don't do that. If he says, don't do it, we ought not do it, okay? But he also has consequences for disobeying him. And even if your heart's not in it, you better do right. This whole idea, well, my heart wasn't in it, preacher, so I didn't come. That's, oh, my goodness. I, if I had a dollar for every time, somebody said, well, I was going to come to church, but my heart just wasn't in it. <laughs> Let me tell you something. You need church if your heart's not in it. You need it. You don't have a desire to meet with the family of God? How can you rationalize in your mind that everything's all right with you and God and just to sit back and do nothing? That ought to scare you to death. It ought to scare you to death that you don't want to be with the bride of Christ. When God has created you and designed you and you are born again, get you, so that you might rely and need the body of Christ. Remember, church, in the first century, the worst thing they could do to you is not let you fellowship with them. You know what they called it? Handing you over to Satan. And there's people who, who will say, oh, I just, my heart wasn't in it. Well, you need to get right with God and you need to get on to God's house. So, uh, again, we, we see this word for fear. There is the, the trembling and also the respect. They both go together. And throughout the Bible, too many times we, we belittle that. Again, there is respect, but make no mistake. That, that word, it means to tremble in his presence, understanding who he is, and he will do what he says he's going to do. But when we have that proper fear, notice in this verse, though, he says, oh, that they would have such a heart where they would fear me and always keep my commandments, that we would obey him. When our heart is right, we have the proper fear, the respect for the Lord. We will naturally see his commandments is not burdensome, but things that we are to do because he loves us. And we ought to respect the Lord enough. We ought to trust him enough that we might obey him. Are you going to heaven here tonight? You going to glory? Has Jesus Christ not proven his love to you? What else can he do? To prove to you that he knows more than you. That he loves you more than anyone else. And too many times, what do we do? We, we tend to wonder as that song we just sang, talked about. We're prone to wonder why is that? Because we forget about that fear that we need to have for God. And we need to obey him. Because when we don't put him where he needs to be in our life. And humbly submit to his commandments. We won't obey him as we should. And the nation of Israel even though at that point in time they were scared to death and they realized they were dealing with the God of this universe and they wanted to follow Him and respect Him as they should and they would obey Him at that point, it would not be long before they will break that commandment. Matter of fact, it'll be about 40 days they'll break it when they get Aaron to make them an idol. But church, we are to obey and when we fear God as we should, and that leads to the obedience that we should in the following him. He says here very clearly in this verse that it might be well with them and with their children forever. Oh, church, we see here that this phrase might be well is one word in the Hebrew language. It means something that is desirable or positive. It, it can also be translated good. It can be translated pleased, acceptable, glad, joyful, and well-placed. A heart that fears and obeys the Lord, they're going to find them play themselves in a position that they will be very glad of. They'll be very glad of. Following God's word will keep us from much heartache. 
not uh, the fact of coming to church or, or, or just coming to Sunday school or being a part of a digger. It is through the following of God's word, obeying God, fearing him as we should, will put us in the place where we need to be, a place that will go well for us. There's enough problems in this world, church. We don't need to add to it. There's enough trouble in this world to willfully not have God in the position where he needs to be in our heart, to where we don't follow his commands. We are inviting more trouble. It's not going to get us to a better place. He's going to get us to a worse place. I've seen people who have had tragedy, all kinds of difficulty come in their life, and they get mad at God, and they begin to drift away from God. I've never seen their situation get better. I've never seen it get better giving, drifting further and further away from God. It's only when we turn to him that we can have the peace inside of us, the, the joy inside of us. In this world, there's going to be enough trouble and heartache. We can't add to that. And if not for anything else, they're children. They're children. They're, 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 he's telling them, don't be selfish about it, but think about your own family. There are consequences for the actions of these fathers and these mothers. Their children are going to see them and the desire they have for God. Therefore, when there's a proper fear, that proper respect and obedience, he says it'll go well for them and their children. And again, as we've already covered, God had a lot to say about that in the fifth commandment. Those parents would be the ones who were to teach their children the ways of God. And they were to teach them over and over again. As we see in chapter 6, they were to teach them when they went to bed, when they got up, when they went along the way, when they ate. They were to constantly be teaching their children the ways of God and how to keep God number one in their life. So that as they grew older, they would be able to know the commandments of God, follow the commandments of God, and be able to stay in the land that God promised them. But what happened? They quit teaching their children they quit following the commandments of god and what we find in the bible in the history of israel every time they do that you know what god did he did the exact thing he told them he would do he removed that protection foreign invaders came in he warned them and warned them and warned them they eventually lost their land because of it you know why because you're not talking god out of it when god has settled something it is settled So it might be well with them. He goes on to tell them here in these verses. Go and say to them in verse 30, return to your tents. But as for you, stand here uh, by me, Moses, and I will speak to you all the commandments, the statutes and the judgments, which you shall teach them that they may observe them in the land which I am giving them to possess. Therefore, you shall be careful to do as the Lord, here's Moses talks to people, therefore you should be careful to do as the Lord your God has commanded you. You shall not turn aside to the right hand or to the left. They are not to veer off the path as they cross over that Jordan and go into that promised land. If they'll just stay faithful, they're going to have what God wanted them to have. They're going to be in a good place. Verse 33, you shall walk in all the ways which the Lord your God has commanded you that you may live. And that you may, it may be well with you and that you may prolong your days in the land which you shall possess. Y'all remember Moses is not going over there because Moses didn't keep all those commands. Moses is speaking from a heart, a broken heart. He is so close, but he is going to miss it because he did not obey the word of the Lord. He is challenging, do not make that same mistake. Don't veer to the left or to the right. Stay faithful. So that it may go well with you. 
we see here God speaking through Moses, telling the nation of Israel these things. Well, what about for us today as believers? Uh, Tonight, I want to look at just three passages real quick. It won't take long, I promise you. But in, in Matthew chapter 10, in verse 26, in Matthew chapter 10, I encourage you to uh, familiarize yourself with Matthew chapter 10. It talks a lot about being a disciple of Jesus Christ. It talks a lot about what you will face as a disciple of Jesus Christ. And he says uh, in verse 26 of chapter 10 of Matthew, he says, Therefore, do not fear them, for there is nothing covered that will not be revealed and hidden that will not be known. I, I believe in the context he's talking about whether or not they are a believer or not. It's going to come out. Whether you're a follower of Christ or not, persecution will reveal it. it, it it'll reveal. He goes on to say in verse 27, Whoever, whatever I tell you in the dark, speak in the light, and what you hear in the ear, preach on the housetop. And do not fear those who kill the body, but who cannot kill the soul but rather fear him who is able to destroy both the soul and body in hell. For are not two sparrows sold for a copper coin, and not one of them falls on the ground apart from your father's will? But the very hairs on your head are all numbered. Do not fear, therefore, you are more valuable than many sparrows. Four times in that text, referring to believers, being faithful followers of Christ, he says, do not fear. We are not to fear what this world can do to us. We're to fear one person. That's a holy God. He said, don't fear what man can do to you. You better fear the one who can throw your soul into hell. They can't do that. As we continue in 1 Corinthians, I remember the first time I ever heard it preached on, my pastor preached on being burned up for Jesus. And he just talked about the fact we're getting a glorified body one day. And it really doesn't matter what this world does to my body. Because I'm getting a glorified one one day. Folks, we need to not fear man. We are to fear one and that is the Lord God. The Lord Jesus Christ. And you know, we ought to obey him and not fear others. But also, if you'll turn with me to John 14, we are to, again, follow him out of obey him because of who he is out of love and respect we see in the book of john in chapter 14 you've heard me reference this passage many times but uh, jesus is very clear on this very clear for his disciples he says in john 14 verse 23 jesus answered and said to them if anyone loves me he will keep my word And my Father will love him. And we will come to him and make our home with him. He who does not love me, he, I'm sorry, who, he who does not love me does not keep my words. And the word which you hear is, is not mine, but the Father's who sent me. We ought to obey the Lord because we love him and that we are living lives of thankfulness for what he has done. I want to ask you not, do you have a desire to follow the word of God? Is that desire real? Or is it something intellectual that you know you ought to want to do? 
But have we truly understood in our heart that God's word is right, it's pure, it's what we need because we love him, we want to obey him. Because nobody knows more than him. Nobody loves us more than him. Nobody's more powerful than him. So we love him out of a grateful heart. And then lastly, in chapter 15 of verse 9, here we see this parable of the vine. And Jesus says here in verse 9, he says, As the Father loved me, I also have loved you. Notice this, abide in my love. How do we abide in his love? By following his word. By following his word reveals that we we love him. So we abide in his love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my father's commandments and abide in my love. Now, don't don't miss this. Verse 11, these things I've spoken to you that, that my joy may remain in you and that your joy may be full. He's writing to people. He's talking to people right there. Many of them that will lose their life being faithful to Jesus Christ. And he tells them, abide in my word and my by keeping my commandments and you will have my joy remain in you. You talk about it being well with your soul. You talk about things being pleasant in your soul. Jesus joy. Who wants Jesus joy? I mean, that's not like regular joy. That's like Jesus joy. That's like joy on steroids. Amen? I mean, that's like, can't get no better than that joy. And how does that come? It comes to following his commandments. And your joy may be full. He's talking to people that will literally give their lives for following Christ. They feared him. They obeyed him. And it was well with them. I pray that it's well with us tonight. That, that, that we not be ashamed of Christ. That we faithfully follow him. In Romans 10, 11, there's an Old Testament quote there. And there Paul writes, Whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. Whoever puts their trust and faith in Jesus Christ will not be put to shame. That means they'll not be let down. They'll not be disappointed. Their joy will be full. Tonight, how would you rate your joy? Honestly, tonight, if you were to say how much of joy is inside of you, not happiness, joy. I'm convinced that according to the word of God, as we've just read, if I want that Jesus joy It comes from me having the proper perspective of who God is by following his commands. And then that joy will invade my life. So if you're missing out on it, it's not God's fault. Amen? It's not God's fault. He he tells us how to have it. I want to encourage you tonight to ask God to give you that joy, to ask you what is keeping you from having it, and then do whatever needs to be done to get it. Maybe tonight it begins with salvation. If you're here tonight or or listening and you don't know Christ as your Lord and Savior, tonight the first thing you need to do is is admit to God that you are a sinner. And all of us are. The Bible says we've all fallen short. Repent of that sin. Turn away from it and believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, that he died for all of your sins and rose again. Trust in him and what he has done. Confess him as your Lord and Savior. And remember, as Lord, that means he's the boss, ruler, master of your life. That means you do what he says. 
That means you now have marching orders. He will send his Holy Spirit to live inside you to seal you into the day of redemption and glory. Until that time, the Holy Spirit will convict you of sin, guide you in all truth, and teach you all truth, and empower you to live the life. But you just make the decision tonight to accept that gift, and you can have that joy. Don't miss out on it. Don't miss out on it. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we love you and praise you tonight. I ask that, Lord, tonight, as we have gathered here tonight, that, Lord, we would be honest about the joy that is in our life. Your word tells us that through a proper fear of you, obedience of your commandments, that it might be well with us. The New Testament makes it very clear we're not to fear anybody but you. That if we love you, we will obey you. And that through that obedience, we might have joy. Your joy, and it might fill us up. Oh God, tonight, if there's somebody who is missing out, whether it be through salvation or maybe a believer here tonight, that, that they've allowed sin to invade their life and keep them from truly following you as they should, or seeing you as holy as they should, oh God, tonight, would you do a work in their life? May your Holy Spirit convict them, Lord, tonight of their lostness or convict them of their sin, whatever needs to take place. Oh, God, we trust your spirit, and we pray that you move tonight. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Tonight, if you need to make a decision for Christ, if you need someone to pray with you, Brother Aaron and I will.